Thank you for listening to this podcast from KX93.5. We invite you to listen to more music and talk on our grassroots nonprofit radio station in Laguna Beach. From anywhere in the world on KX93.5.com slash listen or on our smartphone apps. Right now, here's the Importance of Being podcast on KX93.5.
back. This is KX93.5. You're listening to the Importance of Being show. I'm your host, Ernest Hackman. Uh, we do this show live every Saturday morning from 8 to 9 o'clock. Um, today, my guest is Kinda Habrawi, 
and um, she was with Kadam Foundation and the Zatuna Project, but she's doing something else now, but we'll let her talk about that. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit about what you were doing and how uh, we kind of got to know each other over a couple of other interviews, um, and that was when you were going to the Syrian-Turkish border to help refugee children in from the Syrian conflict. Hi, Kenda. Hi, Ernest. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, thank you. So, um, Let's talk a little bit about what you were doing before we get into what you're doing now. Um, so you were going uh, b- back to uh, or to the border to help refugee children. So what was that about? So for the last two years, I've been traveling to the Syrian-Turkish border every six months. Um, and I am originally Syrian myself from Aleppo. Okay. So this cause is um, obviously very personal was working with um, Syrian refugee children and teens on creative therapy and physical wellness programming, which really is about um, trying to give these kids hope and trying to get them to express themselves in positive, healthy ways using variety of tools, so to speak. The arts, for example, is one of them. Um, And these are all ways to help manage their emotional PTSD from the current situation from the war. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so when you went there, what, how did it work? Um, Did you go by yourself? Did you take people with you? And what kinds of programs did you try to, to work on? So I'll start at the beginning. The very first time I went there, um, I called up my friend Lena, who uh, runs the Kadam Foundation in Chicago, and I said, I have an idea um, to implement. What do you think? And we sort of brainstormed and came up with this project. And, you know, initially we were about 30 people, you know, signed up to go, all volunteers, to um, work inside Syria at that time in the largest um, internally displaced refugee camp in Atme, Syria, which is exactly on the border of Turkey. Okay. So we were planning on staying in Turkey and then crossing the border every day to work inside the camp in, mm-hmm. in tents. And um, this was back in 2013, so summer of 2013. In May of 2013, the town that we were supposed to be staying at had a, a, a bomb actually explode in the town, in downtown, very oh close gosh. to where our hotel was. And all of a sudden, our 30 brave, amazing volunteers were down to seven. <laughs> um, wow. And we almost canceled doing the program. And we said, well, we got to do this. You know, if we don't do it now, we never will. And I was, you know, I was obviously one of the people that was also you know, hesitant, um, rightly so, because the bomb happened in May in Rehanie, which is a small village town, border town, Mm -hmm. and we were set to go in June. So, (laughs) um, yeah, so good stuff. Um, So we, so like I said, it was myself and I was teaching Arabic calligraphy to the kids, and then Lena, who did an architecture class, and then we had a dentist with us who did dental hygiene. We also did soccer. Okay. So we also ended up building, imagine, a soccer field inside this camp, which housed about 30,000 people at that time, 12,000 wow. of which were children. Um, we had a photographer with us and a writer who did storytelling. Um, so we worked with about 500 kids at that time. And they were grades one through six. Um, and it was, as a Syrian 
you know, it was shocking because I hadn't being in inside Syria, you know, um, for the first time in, in, you know, almost a year, my family had been living there. And just being on that, um, being surrounded in, in tent city was very shocking to my system. Right. Um, sort of being a, a, a front and center witness to that was, you know, it just um, floored me that this is the way people were living. And that was back in 2013. So right. much Bef has changed. Before. Much has changed <laughs> since then. Um, at that time, you know, we were being asked directly, I was being asked, why doesn't anyone care about us? Where right. is the world? And, you know, we're five years into the crisis and nobody's asking that question now. People just have um, resigned and given up hope at this point. And it's beyond fatigue. It's just you know, each each to their own. And, um, you know, it's the, the, the deterioration of the situation has beyond, be, be, been beyond um, depressing and sad. And um, it's very difficult, you know, to, to, be, to be a witness to it still, even now. Right. And um, when you would go over there, you know, you, you, you're immersed in this refugee experience and... Um, then you come back to here. What's that like? Um, the, so the first time I came back after my my initial trip, it was uh, my senses were blown in many ways. You know, because I didn't know how to transition from right. what I'd it's seen. A pretty abrupt I mean, transition, right? Yeah, I mean Orange County, California, right? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't get more. Um, I don't have the right wording to say, but. <laughs> more perfect you yeah, know I would yeah. say and just sort of like in a bubble you live mm -hmm. like in such a bubble here and um you know and I I, I now I'd come back looking at it in different eyes right and and how right. do I now adjust to what I'd seen and observed and witnessed to now living here it was really rough that first time I came back but then I I, re I recognized that the program was successful we all felt very strongly about it it was raising some great awareness and mm -hmm. It really um, activated the kids and brought them hope at the time. And so we knew we had to do it again. And so okay. I, it came back um, winter of 2013. And this time we had 40 volunteers from around the world. And we could no longer go inside Syria. It was too dangerous. So we ended up working uh, on the border in Turkey with Syrian refugee schools. So, you know, we went, like I said, the winter of 2013, we took a team of muralists, a team of dentists, you know, we took um, photographers, writers, uh, just, you know, um, sports. We did basketball, at the, you know, so it was just a wide range of activities. And we literally took over the school for a week. Um, and it was great. It was just the kind of, like, hope and inspiration they needed. Okay. And the school was freezing. There was no heating. So we had the foundation provided a heating system for the kids okay. for the school, which is also great. So we do a lot of leave, but we did a lot of leave behinds as well. Okay. Assessing the, 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 the situation, the school, what, what it needed. Mm -hmm. You know, we brought a lot of awareness to the school. And then, you know, people then donated directly to the school and so it was great okay um if you're just joining us i want to let you know that this is kx93.5 and you're listening to the importance of being show uh today my guest is kinda habrawi and we are talking about syria and the syrian refugee situation and we'll be back in just a bit with more on that subject kx93.5 
Just yesterday morning, they let me know you were gone. Suzanne, the plans they made put an end to you. I walked out this morning and I wrote down this song. I just can't remember who to send it to. I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you again. Won't you look down upon me, Jesus? You gotta help me make a stand. You just got to see me through another day. My body's aching and my time is at hand. I won't make it any other way. Whoa, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. I've seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you again. Time, my back turned towards the sun. Lord knows when the cold wind blows, it'll turn your head around. Well, there's hours of time on the telephone line to talk about things to come. Sweet dreams and flying machines in pieces on the ground. Oh, I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Seen sunny days that I thought would never end. I seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. But I always thought that I'd see you, baby, one more time again. Thought I'd see you one more time again. There's just a few things. Coming my way this time around now. Thought I'd see you. Thought I'd see you. Thank you. 
listening to KX93.5. This is the Important Sabine Show. We're back with Kenda Habrawi, and um, she has been going to Syria to help refugee children do stuff. And um, so anyway, Kenda, I, I got lost in the technical uh, aspects of this, this uh, show, but uh, Kenda, when we left off, you had gone over to Syria for the first time uh, to help some refugee children and took over a school. So let's pick up on that and, and then um, talk about, you know, what the impact of you doing that was and then how, how it impacted you. So, um, so like I said, I am from Syria. I'm Syrian-American. I'm proud of both cultures and I embrace both. Um, and so the last time I was on the border was in November. In fact, I was there when Paris happened and with our team, again, about 40 people. And I think that um, for me personally, and I think for aid workers in general, you know, you don't realize sometimes how much of the trauma 
of you take on yourself. Mm -hmm. In fact, you take on that energy um, and it's very painful. And a lot of times you do try and keep it together as much as possible for the sake of especially the children that are in front of you and what they've gone through. Um, One of the things that, you know, we recognized as the situation deteriorated and changed was child labor, increase of child labor. So we're talking kids as young as like eight and nine years old that were no longer in school, that were having to work, you know, um, and we're, we're, we're working all day long and making, you know, $15 a week oh, um, yeah. in really bad, difficult circumstances. Um, so these are the kind of things that the foundation supports putting kids back into school. You know, I was the education director at the time. Okay. Um, and I, 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 I was part of making sure that that program um, was set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so recently I resigned from the foundation and have gone off and started doing my own projects, basically consulting for other foundations and other organizations on how to, you know, develop and grow um, their own uh, their own org in the same way that we did. Um, and a lot of that I had to take a time out, to be honest with you, from okay. the whole from the whole situation, Syrian situation itself. So so did the trauma accumulate over your many trips? How many times did you go? So I've been to the border six times in two years. OK. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think recognizing that the trauma had really started to get to me was a key a key turning point for me. Um, and, and learning how to self-care. You know, I think that self-care is something that we as Americans in general don't really, um, uh, you know, uh, really put a lot of thought and time into. And, right. and, and, and yeah. So you go there and it's, it's you know, misery, right? Um, and then you come back here and it's a bubble of <laughs> everything good everything right and everything nice right and was that especially difficult for you the the abruptness of the transition yeah it is and um i think you feel like at least i felt like you leave ghosts behind you okay. know for me like a lot of the children were ghosts i mean you know sometimes you don't if you're lucky enough to go back to the same area and see the same kids and see how they've evolved and grown then that's great. Sometimes you just don't. You don't know what's happened to them, and they may have impacted you in, in ways. I mean, I've taken our, a psychosocial team that goes along with us, the volunteers of um, psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists. They've even had a hard time readjusting. I've spoken wow. to several of them, and that this is what they do. They actually, you know, I had a therapist who came with us who had been to Japan during the earthquake, who had been to Haiti. Right. When he went to Syria and he came back, he said that he, that that was, worse than than those two situations helping the kids there so that says a lot that's saying a lot and having these therapists themselves trying to adjust to (laughs) go back process yeah and process and this is something i even go over with my volunteers you know in group i say when you go back it's going to be really rough adjusting and and know that you've changed and it's not your family and friends aren't necessarily going to understand, but we do like we're here as a community okay. and to reach out to us. Um, but yeah, I think it gets to you in really even unconscious ways. And so do you feel now like you've processed all that and it's gone or is it something that just you get used to? I think you have two options. You can either numb yourself 
to the situation or you can process it. And the process is really painful, but healing is also part of that. So it's going to take time. I don't think I don't think anyone who is close to the serious situation will ever really feel healed or processed because it's so ongoing. So I not mean, complete. Ev- Every time you think it can't get worse, it just does. And so I don't, I don't see how, how that's possible for any of us. Um, you know, there's such a huge guilt even for us Syrian Americans living here in America, right. seeing what's going on and being away from our countrymen and, and country and, and not being able to go back and feeling, you know, as much as people said I was doing, it still felt like it was not enough. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, I'm going to take a break. <laughs> this is KX93.5. You've been listening to The Importance of Being Show. And now I do remember what I wanted to say. Um, so you pulled back. You took a break. And now what are you doing now? How do you, you, you want to get back in the action or, I guess, get back in the, in the business of helping? And so what are you doing and, and, and what's your focus now with that? So now I'm basically um, helping other foundations and organizations strategize on how to grow and develop their um, organization in, in different different ways from a marketing perspective, from a program development perspective. Okay. So it's really exciting because, again, it's about, it is about helping people and foundations that are doing great work. I mean, sure. There's an organization I'm working with now who is in Orange County. It's called the TIA Foundation, and they actually help... TIA? T-I-Y-Y-A. They help refugees from all over the world resettle into Orange County. And so, you know, I'm helping them develop and grow to a larger audience. So I I meet with them and, you know, consult with them and advise them. So it's really great. Um, I work directly with the the founder and the executive director. And so a little less on the front lines and more um, in in the capacity development. Absolutely. And helping other organizations make more impact. Yeah, exactly. Helping, I mean, I'm just, I feel like this is another way to help others, you know. Um, Like I said, I did a lot of on-the-ground work which is amazing in an experience in and of itself. But I think I also had to take just a step back and a time out just to like self-care for myself. You mm-hmm. know, I needed to, to put the oxygen mask on myself first yes. before I could put it on others. All right. Okay, now we're going to take that break. Um, this is KX93.5. You're listening to The Importance of Being Show. I'm your host, Ernest Hackman. We do this show live every Saturday morning from 8 to 9. Today, my guest is Kinda Habrawi. And she has um, been helping out with the Syrian refugee crisis in a number of ways. KX 93.5. Take me down, six on the ground, the ground beneath your feet.
And we are back. This is KX93.5. You're listening to the Importance of Being show. We do this show live every Saturday morning from 8 to 9. And today uh, my guest is Kinda Habrawi, and we've been talking about her experiences um, as an aid worker or helping uh, refugee children uh, of the Syrian conflict. So um, when we left off, you were saying that you were, ta- we're talking a little bit about your personal experience and some of the trauma that you experienced and, and you know, how the shift back and forth between Orange County and, you know, the war zone and the refugee camps affected you. So can we get back, stay on that for a little bit? Well, I just, you know, recognized the, how important self-care is. And what I mean by self-care is just kind of taking care of your mental, emotional state. So, and I think that's something that everyone can relate to. Like everyone here in America has very busy lives. Um, you know, you know, mothers, doctors, lawyers, like we're all trying to get to the next phase, to the next step. We're trying to always be busy, busy, busy. And I think, of course, my situation is an extreme one. 
Yes. Um, I went <laughs> to an extreme situation of that, but it's still the same lessons, which is, you know, if you don't take time, and I always use the oxygen mask um, analogy because <laughs> it's perfectly put where you put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can be available to others mm-hmm. and put the oxygen mask on others, then you will fail. I mean, it's right. not sustainable. <laughs> Both of you will die. Exactly. Right? It's just not a sustainable way to live. Um, and you and you will crash and you will fall apart and you're not of service to anyone then. So, right. um, break yeah, and- yeah. I mean, uh, so of course, you know, even when we had volunteers on our mission come, I would really, you know, we have group meetings when we're there. And on our final meeting, I always tell them, like, you've obviously now changed as people within the last week. Right. You're going to go home now to your friends and family and be a different person. And it's going to be a really tough transition. Um, and I say this from experience. And it's okay because you're not alone. Right. Um, this is normal. And, um, and that, you know, uh, to, to, re- to basically rely on others, on us, you know, as a group that we've all gone through this together and, um, that, that, you know, to take care of each other, reach out to one another, it's going to be tough at first. And like I said, I had therapists that come that took them six months to just get back to a normal state of being. And these are professionals, people that have right. been to Haiti, people <laughs> have been to the Japan earthquake, and the Syria crisis was worse than anything they'd witnessed up close. Wow, wow. Mm-hmm. And so you, you've you gone from being that frontline person that goes there and, and, and deals, you know, gets their hands dirty. And so now you're, you're pulled back and you're doing some uh, consultative support for other organizations that are trying to do that. How do you feel about the difference between the impact you made as a as you know boots on the ground type of person and what you're doing now? Well, I I'm grateful to it because it's bringing now this like experience that I had this boots on the ground experience like you said that I had to um, you know other organizations. There's another foundation I'm working with. It's a community center and a school for underprivileged youth in Virginia. So I'm also working with them um, on on how to expand and you know capacity building and you know, strategizing with them. So it still feels great because these are people and individuals who are doing great work. They're doing it in America and they're helping out um, people that are that are in this country. So that are coming from, you know, like poverty stricken areas or they're coming as refugees here and how best ways to help and guide them. And so, you know, it's still great work. It's Mm -hmm. just different. Um, And it's just bringing my experiences to that to that world. And and do you find that it's the same kind of um, fulfillment because I would think, you know, sometimes you would be after after going and doing what you did in Syria or in Turkey, that you would be kind of desensitized and nothing would ever feel like you were doing enough again. Do you have that? Well, look, I every time I would get back, I would get that question. Like, it must be so satisfying what you're doing, it must be so fulfilled. And I would respond with this is my responsibility. As a human being, it's my responsibility. As a Syrian, it's my responsibility that I have the freedoms living here in the U.S. to actually do something. So I never felt like this was something that fulfilled me. Um, it was the opposite, actually. Like oh, okay. I, okay. Yeah, it was something that I felt this was my responsibility to do something. Um, and if I was capable of being there on the ground and working hands-on, then I would do it. 
Um, that's how I felt personally. So it wasn't, so, you know, you, you come back and you witness what you witness and see what you see. And your, your point in the story is to be a messenger in many ways. This is sort of like relay the message of what's going on with these people, you know, mm -hmm. going beyond the media because they feel like what the media is showing and presenting isn't the full story. It never really is. Right. Um, right. no offense, Ernest, you are no <laughs> part of the media. Part of the media world. Um, but, but yeah, so I think, you know, anyone who is up close and personal to the situation has a responsibility to be a messenger in many ways, as, as I'm someone who is a witness to what's going on, and I've spoken to people on the ground and their experiences. You know, I've spoken to kids that have been witnesses to their homes burning down, um, been witnesses to family members being tortured in front of them, you know, been witnesses to having escaped their homes in the middle of the night with their families and not knowing where they're going to go, right, what right, they're going right, to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, it's my responsibility to basically say, this is what's happening. And I'm telling you this as a fact, as someone who is who is, um, you know, a citizen of the world, essentially. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's a responsibility. Well, uh, you know, that, that gets to what I... Uh, we've talked a couple of times about this. You've been on the show. This will be your third time. And we've talked about the difference of, of, of the experience each time. And the last time you were here was just a little bit before Syria, the refugee crisis really broke wide open. And, and you know, unfortunately, that, that child was found drowned on the shores of Europe. And, and the world's awareness and the media's awareness of refugees, of immigration, of, you know, all these things. And then we've had Paris. We've had, you know, all these things going on. So how do you feel about some of the um, discussions in the media and in, 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 in our political system over here uh, when they talk about uh, refugees, Syria, they talk about, you know, the situation. As a person who's been there on the ground, who's, you know, had the immigrant experience, who is a Syrian-American, um, what are your thoughts? That is a big question. <laughs> and I'm going to approach it very carefully. No swearing, exactly. I'm going to keep that in mind. But, uh, but um, you know, Syria is now five years on. And when Elon Kurdi was found, a picture of him was, you know, seen across the world right. on the shores of Turkey. Um, and it impacted so many people. You know, it was, it was feeling... Uh, uh, finally, uh, a sense people are paying attention, but at the same time, it's like we've been seeing this and doing this for so many years right. and nobody cared. And so it's a conflicted feeling there. Um, and then the European refugee crisis happened, and right. it wasn't an overnight thing. And that's what I think was um, disturbing in many ways because the refugee crisis has been going on for years prior to that. It just got so bad that now people were killing themselves in the waters to just cross. Right, right. You know, you have 3,000, almost more over 3,000 people dying um, in, the, in the waters on these rubber rafts, and that is due in part to our foreign policy. It's due in part to our politics and as the international community's failure. Um, so this isn't something that happened overnight. It just because the, the world decided to pay attention, and we are still dealing with issues like starvation inside Syria, which is what's well, going yeah, on right just, now. Just this week, right? You know, you're talking about 40,000 people in a besieged area, and they're being starved by their government. I mean, this is a war crime of the, the utmost top kind. So, you know, the fact that we're not complaining to our Congress, or we're not, you know, forcing our, 
um, politicians to pay attention to something like this is very disheartening as an American. And, you know, I am American and, and, and proud of it. And, um, you know, as a Syrian, it's, it's heartbreaking and on so many levels. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I answered that question <laughs> properly because I, I could keep, I could certainly keep <laughs> going on. Going on. <laughs> well, um, we're, we're almost out of time. So why don't we take it to um, a different place? And, and so if people are interested in, in helping or being a part of the effort, are there things that people can do here that will have some impact or help those who are making an impact make more of an impact? I mean, certainly you can donate to the organization I was working with, the Karam Foundation, which is karamfoundation.org. You can reach out to me personally. I'm at kindahabrawi.com. Um, you can also speak to your um, you know, congressmen, senators, talk about what's going on in Syria, and just become more aware, if nothing else. If you don't do anything else but just learn about what's really going on in the crisis, Talk to someone who's talk to more than one person who's Syrian American living in this country. Go on YouTube, look up what's going on, read some articles. The Syria campaign is also a um, you know syriacampaign.org is a great place for resources okay. to read up on what's happening in Syria. Um, SyriaDeeply.org is also a great uh, you know resource to learn about okay. what's happening. Lots of stuff and. And if I'm walking down the street, how will I know if, 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 if that's a Syrian-American? Well, don't look at me because <laughs> I look Scottish. So I will... Yes, I, I didn't think. <laughs> you know, don't... I'm definitely... I don't sound, look, you know, typical. I, I guess what's stereotypical. But, uh, but just ask. I mean, just bring up a conversation and just be someone curious. I mean, I think that's the best advice I would give. If you're just a curious person who just wants to be more aware then I think you will be welcomed by anyone. Okay. And um, just before we go, get this last dig in. So are you going to vote for Trump? That would be a hard no. (laughs) 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 All right. Well, Kinda, I want to thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and your experiences. Um, And um, you're always welcome to, to come here. So thanks for coming. Thanks, Ernest. Always a pleasure. All right. So you've been listening to KX93.5, and this is the Importance of Being show. We're uh, just about out of time here. Coming up next is Mark Miller of the Friendship Show, uh, and I'll be back next week. So hopefully you'll be here with me. Um, KX93.5.
Sweet. 